Welcome to the Enter the Bible podcast, where you can get answers or at least reflections on everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. I'm Katie Langston. And I'm Catherine Schifferdecker. And today on the podcast, we have a very special and wonderful guest. Welcome, Eric Barreto. Uh, Eric is the Frederick and Margaret L. Weyerhauser Associate Professor of New Testament at Princeton Theological Seminary. That's a bit of a mouthful, but also <laughs> sounds like an awesome gig. <laughs> uh, and he's also uh, the uh, co-author of a book called Exploring the Bible with uh, Professor Michael Chan um, and is currently working on a commentary on Acts. No, Luke. 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 Yep. The same book. It's <laughs> just half. It's, just half it's of Acts it. part one. First half. Acts right. part one. Yeah, I like that. Exactly. Exactly. It's a prequel. Um, so welcome, Eric. We're so we're so happy to have you here. Uh, delighted to have you. Glad to be here, y'all. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. So we are um, exploring a question today that is really common. Um, I know that I get it a lot, especially when I'm in dialogue with folks who are maybe. Um, not Christians or maybe post-Christian or ex-Christian or something like that. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult uh, question. And they ask why, well, and I think even Christians have this question as well. It's not just like a, a you know, um, a question that, that others have, but the question is why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just celebrated at least at the time of we're recording it, we're, uh, we just celebrated Easter. And so we've gone through Holy Week and Good Friday and all of that stuff. Um, and, um, you know, what, what was the point of that whole thing, right? That mm-hmm. was kind of a bummer. It was a drag. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's this huge question that we face, this massive uh, question and one that the New Testament itself and its authors are wrestling with. Mm. Um, it, it, it shouldn't make sense, right, to have God's Messiah come, and in the ways that we confess Jesus to be uh, God incarnate, to have God be in our midst, in our presence, and that what our reaction, our human reaction, is to string up the goodness of God in this public display, uh, in this gruesome and cruel death. It, it kind of doesn't make sense. And I think in the New Testament, you see the gospel authors and Paul himself wrestling with the cross and what to make, what sense to make of it. I think, for example, at the end of the gospel of Mark, when, when Mark leaves us with this dramatic ending that uh, Jesus, we don't see the resurrected Jesus, but the angels tell the women that Jesus has been resurrected and they go away afraid over what they've heard. And I think that's probably the right reaction. This is a fearsome, complicated set of questions. And I think the New Testament gives us all sorts of responses, all sorts of answers uh, to that question, why did Jesus die on the cross? And I think Luke gives us a really interestingly distinct um, response to this question that I've been wrestling with recently. And I'd love to share with you all a little bit more about it. Yeah, that'd be good. I want to hear it. I think one of the striking things to me in Luke's account is that Jesus' innocence is stressed over and over again, that he didn't do anything to deserve this. Um, uh, People along the way declare that he's innocent. Pride of place goes to the centurion who's at the foot of the cross, who in Mark and Matthew say, says, this man was surely God's son. 
in, in Luke, he says, surely this man was innocent. Perhaps even this man was innocent, uh, righteous, depending mm. on how we want to translate that term. The centurion mm. there stands apart. So Jesus' innocence is emphasized throughout. Second is both Mark and Matthew will say that Jesus was a ransom payment for many. That there's a sense in Mark and Matthew that when Jesus dies, he functions as a ransom payment, that we've been kidnapped by some force, whether it's a satanic force or an evil force, whatever it is, and that his death is the payment, the ransom payment for our liberation. Uh, Luke, we know, has Mark in front of him, and Luke does not include that, that, uh, that verse, that, that allusion to Jesus being a ransom payment. Instead, it's, it's Jesus' innocence that emphasizes. The second thing that I think is emphasized in Luke's account is in the reaction of the people when they see Jesus die. So this is in, in Luke 23, uh, say verse, let's start in verse 48. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breasts. Hmm. Um, so the word spectacle is one that is Pulled, like I've, I've keep tripping over every time I read it as many times as I've read it. So here you have a group of people who voluntarily chosen to go out to see a show, to be entertained, to be delighted by other people being killed in this gruesome and public way. Hmm. And here, I think we're tempted to think, to kind of look down upon them and wonder what, what's wrong with them. Hmm. When you know, the reality of public executions has been a reality for all kinds of cultures for a long time. Including uh, ours. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that um, in recent memory, and there are memorials to this all throughout the country cropping up now, um, people used to go out in their Sunday best to go see public lynchings. Mm. This is not that strange of an idea. And I think even even in more subtle ways, but maybe not so, not, not, not subtle, but not, uh, but pernicious still, uh, is the way that we celebrate a really terrible hit on a football field. That used to be the highlights, right? That we are reveling in someone else's pain. Hmm. Or when we slow down a little bit to watch that car wreck, there's something about us as humans that loves a spectacle, that loves a show. In this case, the spectacle is Rome displaying its power. Hmm. We have all the power in the world, even power to take the lives of these people. And again, this gruesome public way. So they come out to see a spectacle, they come out to see a show, but they go away not delighted by what they've seen, but aggrieved and distressed by what they've seen uh, because they saw an innocent person die. They go away with grief because Jesus should not have died in this way. In that way, I think Jesus' death in Luke is, is a tragedy of sorts. It's something that shouldn't have happened. And thus, I wonder if this is part of what Luke wants us to imagine, that as we draw near to the cross in Luke's account, we don't celebrate the Lamb of God slain for our sins, as we might see in the Gospel of John, for example. Mm -hmm. But we see our own complicity in mm. these systems that take the innocent and execute them. Because mm. Jesus is neither the first nor the last innocent person to die at the hands of a cruel empire. So we... I'm sorry to interrupt. No, please, yeah. I, I wonder if you could say a bit more about the the, the manner of execution, the cross, right? That, like this is not, yeah. this is an all too common means of execution in the Roman Empire, right? Yeah. Like, uh, like the, the first century rabbis who aren't talking about Jesus, um, they, they, they're talking, 
when they talk about the uh, the sacrifice of Isaac in Genesis mm. 22, they say that Isaac carries the wood of his sacrifice just as a man carries his own cross. Yeah. I, and 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 they're not talking about Jesus there. They're talking about the thousands upon thousands upon yeah. thousands of people who were executed in this way. And it, yeah. and you're right. You've said you know the spectacle. It's it's meant to be very public, right? right. Like a right. like a warning. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, it's this visible warning. It's a, a display of Roman power, but also a visible warning. Don't don't be like this guy. So very com- like disturbingly common, and how often people would have seen crosses and, and could have born witness this kind of death and also to remember that i think crosses are often saved for the worst of the worst and the worst of the worst are those people who disturb the roman order who disturb the roman peace um and so part of that that spectacle and that thrall is that people come out to see this violence Hmm. because if that violence is directed at those people that maybe it won't be directed at us Mm-hmm. The sense that empire's violence, as long as it's directed at someone else, then we're safe, we're free. And then the cross brings us to that moment to say that in, that, in, the, in those kinds of systems, none of us are free because we're all vulnerable uh, to empire's whims and, and empire's violence. That's, that's really thought-provoking. That, yeah, the that the the power of the empire uh, is such that no one is safe and no yeah. one is innocent, perhaps. Right. Like uh, there's complicity there too. There's yeah. complicity in the in the empire's yeah. Yeah, there's complicity in in thinking that 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 form of violence can keep the rest of us safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think when they see Jesus die in this way, they see Jesus dying an innocent person's death. Yeah. The irony, of course, is that he's neither the first nor the last innocent person to die in this way. Right. But there's something about Jesus's death that causes a centurion, who's probably executed a few people in his day, <laughs> and this crowd that maybe has seen a few executions in their day, yeah. there's something amiss here. There is something wrong. We need some sort of divine intervention to break free from this thrall that we have to, to violence, but especially to imperial violence. So, so correct me if I'm wrong, what I hear you saying is, um, in, in Luke at least, or in, in Luke's account of the crucifixion, it's not so much, as you say, you know, the Lamb of God sacrificed for the sake of the yeah. world, as we see in the Gospel of John, and it's not even so much um, the, the ransom given for the sins of many. Now, it, it may be that, right? It may be that as well. It is that as well. But Luke's emphasis, his particular yeah. lens, is this is what empire does, right? Yeah. This is what, and, and the Roman empire, obviously, but also the empire of sin and death and Satan, right? The unholy trinity, so to speak, yeah. that, that, that this is what happens when, um, when God's holiness, when God's purity, when God's love encounters human sin. Is that? Yeah, we reject it. We string yeah. up that, that goodness on a tree. Here I'm reminded in Luke chapter four, when in Luke's account of the temptation, uh, Satan says in the middle temptation, according to Luke, that all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory have been handed over to me and I give it to anyone I please. Hmm. There's a sense in Luke's imagination that the empire is bad, but even beyond behind that empire is a power greater than that empire. Yeah. Uh, and a power that uh, no human army can defeat. 
um, an evil that per, uh, per, uh, perpetuates and like kind of um, invades every corner of our lives. So much so that we think it's safety, that we think it's a kind of freedom when it's actually killing the innocent uh, and keeping us chained to this to this myth that we think that violence can save us. Peace, yeah. peace through strength. Yeah, yeah. Right. Force. So the Roman peace is this propaganda, right? The Pax Romana says uh, we have maintained peace so that e the economy and all your everyday lives can can go on. But that Roman peace is earned at the edge of a sword, uh, and with the constant threat of that violence in this way displayed publicly for uh, the spectacle for everyone to see. So the Roman Empire is no more, but <laughs> right, but yeah. this this power that you referenced from what was it Luke for or that you know the 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 power of Satan, the power of human evil underlies all the empires, right? The empires yeah. that continue even today, yeah. including you know to our to our shame, right? Uh, uh, the empire that the United States sometimes uh, or the imperial power that the united states sometimes wields i don't i don't want to get into politics but you know there there are um ways in which we are complicit um, yeah we're not disarming our nuclear weapons anytime soon yeah, yeah. right so one of the ways I think this is so this is right this is where things get a little tricky because it's easier to talk about an ancient empire that's long gone right harder still to imagine the ways that we are caught up in the thrall to imperial violence so here um, our, our colleague Cameron Howard at, at Luther we were doing some work together and one of the ways we were thinking about teaching about empire is that empire is this is not some dude on a throne with a great haircut and a Caesar salad, right? Like that's not, that's not what it's about. It's about, it's, it's this all structuring way of the world that says, this is the way the world is. Right. The way the world is, is one that serves this power and kind of gives you some benefits along the way that you can, you can enjoy. It's this all encompassing sense of control that says that, that kind of tries to teach us that death is life and that evil is good. Right. And, yep. and in that way, we can find all kinds of empires coursing uh, through our churches, through our communities, through our politics. Uh, so this isn't about, you know, doing a one to one correlation between an ancient empire and any a singular contemporary empire. But to notice the ways that that kind of evil influence can pervade all kinds of places. So for me, and the way I've been trying to teach this text recently to, to church groups and for my class at Princeton is, I want us when 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 we read Luke's account of the cross. I wonder if the, some of the images that might come to our mind are those images of the cross, those, those artistic representations. But what if that kind of unjust, innocent death is still all around us? So what if that unjust, innocent death is happening um, when George Floyd had the weight of an empire on his mm -hmm. neck? Mm -hmm. When um, when we were gassing people at the US-Mexico border, people mm -hmm. yearning for a new mm -hmm. life, mm -hmm. the weight of empire, the fear that if those people come in, we won't have what's due to us. That fear was motivating that tear gas. Or I think there's this picture I saw uh, last month in Ukraine, I think it was in Lviv, where um, uh, parents had put out empty strollers in this square representing the children who had died in the conflict in Lviv mm -hmm. yep. say that these innocent people who had nothing to do with what's happening around them were caught in the crossfires of empire. 
so that some people might feel safe and others might feel terrorized. So that, that experience that Jesus had on the cross is still with us in really powerful ways. Yeah. I, th- I think that's important. You know, it's important that Jesus then brings a kingdom. And again, I think that's something that we don't think about enough, right? Because it's not just that he's bringing, um, he's bringing, you know, some far off distant promise of, you know, harps on clouds. And that's what the imagination of God's kingdom is sometimes, but it's actually, you know, if, if you're, Eric, if you're talking about, you know, the, the empire is actually the false alternative power structures that invade our societies and our worlds and, and our world. And some, you know, some are much more brutal than others, right? Like, I don't think you couldn't make a one-to-one comparison to the United States and the Roman Empire, even the no. United States and Russia. I don't think you can. No. Um, they're not the same. And yet those forces are still pervasive. They're still prevalent. And the logic of those forces still, you know, kind of permeates our imagination and our society. And Jesus, in bringing the alternate kingdom... Yeah entirely rejects all of those narratives and all of the kind of power structures and instead says this is why like the cross is so like mind-blowing says actually no the the power of god is manifest in self-giving even unto death on a cross and and that this this instrument that right uses to torture to publicly humiliate a people is the very instrument that Jesus uses and God uses to demonstrate that uh, Rome's, it, it, it wasn't for Rome to take Jesus's life. It wasn't theirs to take because it didn't, that life does not belong to them. They think they rule the world. They think the world belongs to them, but it's actually God's power that is, that is greater, greater and mightier. So, so for us to, um, to one, I think the Luke's cross helps us to wonder in what ways are we bound up in these systems Yep. Um, that we are taught that that violence and death are life and power when they're not. When we encounter that, how do we go away grieving over what we've seen, the things that we shouldn't have seen, the innocents who have died? And then how do we turn our imaginations then towards the resurrection power of Jesus? Yep. A power that brings life from death. Yep. Uh, and, and that it's it's real life and not the kind of artificial um uh, almost life that empire wants to promise us. Yeah, that's hugely important because whenever, I mean, we, we can't talk about the cross without the resurrection, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like if, if the cross is the end of the matter, then it's, that it's hopeless, right? Bad news. It's all bad. the innocent. That's not good news. Yeah, yeah. that's bad news. Yeah. yeah. But, it, you know, the, yeah, innocents die and that's it. Yeah. And we know that, right? I mean, we, 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 we all know, know that. Innocents that. Die. Innocents die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the innocents suffer, the innocents die. They, they're the mm-hmm. most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But I, I love how you, how you chain, how you, both of you, you know, you, you um, turn that at the end, right? Why did Jesus have to die on, a, on the cross? The cross as this symbol of violence and empire and oppression becomes then the sign of self-giving love. And of and of the power of God expressed in the self-giving of, of of Jesus on the cross. That's why you know that's why we have crosses on buildings and uh, we wear them around our necks and we you know have them at the front of our churches. Right, the symbol of torture becomes then 
the symbol of love uh, and of of the the power of love to bring forth life uh, in the midst of our death dealing ways and our and our you know imperial desires. Uh, God's power made perfect in weakness and God's yes to all of what Jesus did and spoke and uh, and was right. God's yes in the resurrection uh, where where death is defeated finally and satan is defeated and sin is defeated yeah and it's a it's a defeat that's both transformative and that the effects of death linger with us still so i think about jesus carrying the the signs of of that torture on his body and on his resurrected uh, ascended body right but also the effect that it had upon jesus friends so to think about those two friends on the road to emmaus that can't recognize jesus probably because they never thought they'd see him again, right. which is rational. And it's as the world has been. Um, yeah, to think about the, how, the sorrow of Mary seeing her son die in this way. So that the, the witness of those who were a little further off, I think is important too. So there are the people who are closer in, who are there for the spectacle. Mm. There are also his friends from far away, grieved and traumatized by what they'd seen. Um, and those are, I think, important stories for us to tell about the cross as well. Yeah, yeah. And that that transformation, I like that word, uh, of not just of the symbol of the cross, but of... Well, it's not a bypassing, right? Like, that's that's the thing, too, that's important about, like, the notion of, like, the, the transformation of the cross and the resurrection. It's like... God didn't zap it better, yeah. right? God didn't lift the people up to the clouds and the and the harps, right? Like yeah. there's there's a sense in which I think sometimes as people of faith, even we we try to just bypass the yeah. we bypass it, but transformation actually takes something that is and then changes it. Yeah. And that's what Jesus does. Well, uh, again, as with every uh, podcast we do, we uh, we could say a lot more, but uh, hopefully, have again, like this... seven more hours. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and we'll buy Eric's that. book when it comes out. <laughs> That's right. Uh, look, look for Eric's book. Uh, well, exploring the Bible uh, as well, but also his commentary on Luke, which is coming out in the interpretation uh, series. Uh, Westminster John Knox is that mm-hmm. the publisher? Yep. Yeah. So sometime in the future uh, where he will um, talk about this and so many other things uh, about the gospel of Luke. So, but thank you so much for sharing your wisdom uh, with us and insight, Eric. Thanks friends. Thanks for having me. It's been really good to to talk with you again. Um, And uh, thank you uh, to those listening to this episode of the Enter the Bible podcast. Uh, This is, uh, this ends uh, season three of our podcast. Um, but there will be a season four. Uh, we uh, will just ask you to, to stay tuned. We're going to take a bit of a break and then uh, have season four with more wonderful guests like, uh, like Eric Barreto. Uh, you, can, you can keep an eye on our Instagram page uh, to find out when season four will, will be dropping. But in the meantime, uh, there's lots of other podcasts, uh, including podcasts from Back when uh, Eric was the co-host of this podcast when he was here at Luther Seminary, uh, you can find those in the archives at enterthebible.org, along with high-quality courses, commentaries, resources, videos, 
uh, and reflections. Uh, again, enterthebible.org. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app and share the podcast with a friend. Thank you for joining us.